podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. It is great to have your visual company, your audio company. And for this episode, the other Thomas, as I would always say, my friends and yours are two Tommy Thomases. This version is the Tommy T. G'day, mate. G'day, how you doing? Mate, I'm very well. Thank you for having me here in your house. Welcome. Um, welcome, viewer, to uh, to a beautiful apartment in Melbourne. The fortress. It is, you can't see, but um, behind is two televisions, the optimum setup for yeah. watching for One. We might post a photo somewhere if you require. I think that's a good vibe. Yeah. Um, why two TVs, Tommy T? Uh, well, I am a bachelor and decided that I really wanted two TVs. I was listening to a podcast to uh, someone who watches a lot of basketball. Basketball happens at the same time. There's multiple games happening. So in order to do your job well as a, a reporter – you're probably watching a lot of games, some on mute. And I was like, that's a cool idea. So when I was looking and I I bought this place and I was like, kind of want to do two TVs. So I've set it up as such so I can play Xbox on one. I can watch something on the other. I've set it up so I can have a monitor on one or I can, there is so many possibilities. The best part is though, like my housemate can watch what she wants to watch and I can play Xbox or watch what I want to watch. So Formula One weekend, she has no interest whatsoever. Chuck my headphones on and I can watch away uh, and not disturb her. It's very considerate. I would be like, shut up, Kiara. I'm putting the timing <laughs> on one screen and the, <laughs> the vision yeah, on the other screen. Kia on both. It is a great setup. Um, mate, it is so great to, to be here. Uh, I said this last week when I spoke with Campy. It feels like it's been a very, very long season, an exceptionally tiring one. Yep. We're coming to the end of our fourth season of doing Lakeside Drive. One of the things that I wanted to do uh, for you, listener, if you're you're new to the podcast or you've been going for some time with us, uh, is to give you a bit of background as to who we bloody actually are because we know we've had some significant growth in the last couple of years and potentially um, some more growth for next year. There's some exciting things coming, hopefully, that we can tell you about in a little bit. Uh, But Tommy T, let's go back to your beginning from a motorsport point of view. I don't mm-hmm. want to go the whole story because the whole Tommy T interview will be done by somebody else at some point <laughs> when you're uh, when you're that famous. But talk to me about your your beginnings of sport, let's say. I wasn't really that athletic or sporty in any way. I was very, very slow learner when it comes to anything, anything athletic. I remember like snow camp, I was useless, almost in tears that I was that bad. The next snow camp I went and on the last day I kind of figured out how to like go without falling over and it was determination and and going many, many, many times. So it's not something that comes naturally to me, but I do really enjoy sport and I think I do have that more analytical eye and I can understand. So I love basketball. I can watch basketball from a tactical point of view and understand what's happening, how the chess pieces are moving and that's what really excites me, I suppose, about sport and especially motorsport. I mean, it's not surprising. I, I terrible sport. That's that sport as well. Um, <laughs> Unlike Camby, who's apparently God's gift of. Um, let me. I, yeah. I'll, I'll flash up a photo of Campy mm. and uh, of current Campy with a photo of young Campy. Wild. <sighs> yeah. Mind blowing. High school emoji. Campy was just apparently a bit of a stud. Yeah. So I mean, that's according to him. <laughs> there is nothing about that that uh, <laughs> that anyone else has actually said. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, uh, I mean, it's very, it's it's funny because I look at um, Michael Laminato. One of the things that he puts out on his website is those who can't do talk about it. It's like those who can't do teach. Yeah. Um, 
I, it's interesting us sort of finding our rhythm in this space. Uh, you are a basketball player now, though, as well. Yeah, you do love it. I do love it, but I'm not good. I, I make no uh, attempts to say that I'm better than I am. And you are very good at go-karting. I'm better, than, both, I'm better than anyone else in Lakeside Drive as it stands. <laughs> According uh, to the last time we tested that, I was better. Um, which is why <laughs> in the box of neutrals versus Lakeside Drive off, you are a go-kart person. Oh, it's a worry. Which is tough because I'm pretty sure Rob James has done some competitive Damn. go-karting. Um, so it's only significant banter, which is going to help us yes. across the line, I think, at that Sledging. point. But I think it's interesting, though, as I said, because when we're getting into this, we're getting into talking about stuff. Um, and when you're not thrust into the world of motorsport, I feel like you have the ability to love it probably more than yeah. if you're either in it, if you sort of grow up around it, like Max Verstappen or Mick Schumacher as an example of drivers, yeah. then it's more like more than likely you're going to follow uh, your dad's footsteps or your mum's footsteps. Um, and certainly I know I've spoken to plenty of drivers in extreme A's, like how did you get into motorsport? Oh, my par- parents owned a rally yeah. school. It's like, oh, okay, well, you- It's pretty niche, right? You had no other option, really. Like you could, you know, I'm Molly Taylor who I interviewed, just like, oh no, I wanted to be in a, in equestrian and yeah. ride horses. And she was like, until I realized that they suck. And then I- They were only one horsepower and like- you can get something that has many more horsepowers. And it sort of just goes down that path. So- what, what okay, so not really sporty, but loves basketball. I think genuinely what it was was probably Top Gear, oh. if I'm honest. And I think that's going to be a lot of our listeners are similar. It's so true. Is it's a gateway drug into the rest of motoring and just kind of culture yeah. around motorsport. It's it's hard to describe because they transcended beyond just motorsport. They became just a cultural phenomenon that was about a community, I guess, and friendship and like all the other things. And it was just an entertainment show in the end. But what they did do is had these kind of uh, sections where you could stay in touch with what was happening in motorsport, interviewing the F1 drivers. And there was always an appreciation of the excellence that was happening in the world of motoring. And that's where I got an appreciation for the technology side of things that Formula One was doing, the safety things, all the technology with uh, hybrid energy Mm. and things was coming from Formula One into high-end cars and then eventually to normal road cars. So that's what's kind of missing, I guess, from Formula 1, I would argue at the moment, is it's not pushing through into the the moting industry that we are, uh, I suppose, able to purchase. Yeah, and I think it's changed a lot, hasn't it, um, that Top Gear element. Mm. And we speak about this with this podcast that, you know, some of the time we think that the, it's actually not about our opinion about Formula 1, um, but about the relationship between the three of us. I know some of you listening and watching will agree with that because you've told me uh, and some of you say, shut up, you're a bunch of dickheads, which is also <laughs> correct. Both both angles are absolutely both are correct. <laughs> but it is that relationship and it's interesting mm. because it is that generation. I mean, that show was absolutely pinned oh. at sort of the same target demographic that we are pinned now, which is kind of tw- like 20 years old to about 36 yep. male with a bit of extra income on the side to splurge on something. So it would be about, I mean, I would make decisions on cars based on Top Gear magazine reviews as well as Jeremy Clarkson reviews. Yep. Um, And I think, I mean, the current generation won't do that because Top Gear has changed and the older generation kind of looked at Richard Hammond and said he's a twerp. (laughs) Which he is. And and James May looks like a lost beagle with his hair, with this stripy pink and purple jumper that he always used to wear. In every way. But that's I love that because very similarly for me, I mean, I found a lot of that love of Top Gear 
really drove my interest in motorsport. And just in cars in general, right? Yeah. So like I think a lot of it is road cars because Formula One is not accessible to everyone. No. We will never touch Formula One car, have an experience like that as a layperson, but we might get the chance to drive a high-end Mercedes or a BMW or an Audi or something and we might see them driving around and that's something that I would always do and I would know what each car was, how much it was roughly worth, whether that was a stupid purchase and this person was trying to show off and buy <laughs> the wrong Ferrari, which yes. I drove. I had someone drive past me in California today. Idiot. Why <laughs> would you get that? Useless Ferrari. That is that is a very good point. On my way home. I thought that was just a, such a waste of money and all you wanted was a badge. You didn't even get it in the correct color, you idiot. If you, listener, want us to branch into at some point doing <laughs> random motoring journalism as well, let us know in the comments. <laughs> Unsolicited advice on what cars you should I mean, buy. But that's the thing, though. Is yeah. like, Why do people buy the Mazda CX-5? Because someone at drive.com.au oh, decided seven years yep. ago probably wanted his wife was like, oh, I like that. My mum, so my sister-in-law and my brother's girlfriend. Or have all have them. Ridiculous. Yeah. Terrible cars. Uh, I've <laughs> test-driven all generations of them and they're all shit. That is my consumer advice. Why you wouldn't buy a Subaru Outback instead of a Mazda CX-5? Idiot. Subaru Outbacks are great. They're great. I've owned them. They're fantastic. Yep. And hardly anyone buys them in comparison. And they're like, anyway, it doesn't really matter. But it's interesting going into that part. All right, mm. so sports, yes, school, not so sporty. But motorsport is a bit of an extension from Top Gear because, yes, yeah. talking about cars, but... I always found it interesting watching the F1 drivers come onto the program. We all remember, spoiler alert, Michael Schumacher taking the helmet off as the Stig reveal. We had Mark Webber there. Danny Rick was on there. Yep. Kimmy was on there. Seb was on there. Yeah. Incredible content. And Great. that was a time where we got to see those drivers drive the reasonably priced car compared to like James Blunt, who was quite quick as a singer. Yeah. And, and the, the time is still 20 seconds or something ridiculous. Insane. And Daniel Ricciardo was the fastest in that car at the time of recording. No one ever beat him. Yep. So in the same machinery, around the same track, Daniel Ricciardo is the fastest to ever do it. Still the fastest. Still the top five, yes. one of the top five drivers on the grid, even and if he's not on the grid. And did it while singing and relaxed. Yeah. I mean, Lewis was pretty relaxed when he did his lap. Yeah. But Daniel was just as calm and smooth. Uh, and it was, that's car control. And that is pure ability because mm. they haven't driven that car a lot. It is not tuned to their liking. It is a useless piece of garbage as, yes. as a car. Yes. But the fact that they could extract so much pace out of it, even in comparison to these elite drivers as well, was just wild to me. So what was your first real taste of motorsport? Um, it was probably watching Bathurst, I mm. think. Bathurst is one of those ones that regardless of whatever it was, like a good friend of mine, Josh, uh, his, his family, his brothers, uh, would always get together and I didn't get invited sometimes to go watch Bathurst with them. Uh, mad car family. Their dad was a driver uh, back in the day. Oh, right. Uh, drove Tiranas and they've got oh. a, fam- a family Tirana that they've all looked oh. after, which is immaculate. Uh, but to get invited to hang out with them, people who are so passionate about mm. it and just to see the ridiculousness that is Bathurst and how it is so unique to any other race. It is such a long track. The The corners and the complexes are just ridiculous. It is not designed for for cars to kind of go through quickly. It is insanely difficult and dangerous, but they do it and they do it for almost an entire day. It it's is wild. Mind-blowing. It is like one of those things I haven't experienced, but even just watching, I would love to get there, but it's such an ordeal and I don't think I would survive the characters that go to Bathurst because I've heard from other people who've been there that is 
it is unique. Mm. The, the people who get to Bathurst and camp out and mm. crawl around the corners and It'd be great to do some content one year of just the three of us camping. Yeah, with each other, we'd have to have at least two ten sickers camping. Yeah. I've slept near camping, oh, not in the same room before. I snore too, him. but I can't imagine. No, you would be bliss in comparison to the freight train that goes on with uh, Thomas J. Camp. Is that surprising you, to camping. any listener? No. <laughs> <laughs> but Bathurst, I think if you're not Australian, it is easy to dismiss Bathurst as just one of those races yeah. internationally. But I've got to tell you, like, being, again, growing up in our generation, yep. you know, the you're either holding a Ford family because if your dad or mum worked for a bigger organisation, you'd had a company car and yep. generally yep. they'd be a Falcon or a Commodore. Yep. Um, and you'd have the choice between the two, but of course you'd either you'd always have Commodores or you always have Falcons. I yep. know for years we always had Falcons and then the last one that my dad had, I flipped him onto, a, uh, onto the Commodore because the VA Commodore was just better than the current generation Falcon at the yeah. time. Well, so when my old bar came over with my dad when dad was five, Opa worked at GM, worked for Holden. Did he? Yeah. Love in the that. factory, so. Love that a lot. It, there is a, a lineage as well. And that's probably a lot of families have that. Mm. They can draw back because manufacturing was so big in Australia mm. for Holden and Ford. Like Geelong was huge. Yep. There was a lot of people involved in motoring and it's very sad to see that disappear to almost nothing now. And it was, it was so everywhere all of the time, V8 supercars, you know, yep. th- those drivers, the Mark Scaife, Craig Lowndes yeah. era. They were mega stars. They were what Schumacher was into, like in Europe yep, here, definitely. Um, and some of the best liveries. And Peter Brock is a great example oh, as well. Um, yeah. And I think that level of interest and enthusiasm and passion, an Australian passion, which we're so unique in having, um, I think really shaped how we, even sort of people now in their thirty, early thirties, view mm. motorsport internationally. Yep. Uh, and I think Drive to Survive with Formula One has really helped that because it's about narrative because we yeah. knew the narrative here because back then at least it wasn't on paper, like behind a paywall. It was Channel 10. Yep. You had all Red versus Blue. It was that simple. Yeah. It, it was basically, it was down to that simplicity of like us versus them and you kind of picked a team and you yeah. joined them and that was everything. And you could just jump in at any point. It was very accessible. Yes, it was. Yep. And even now if you go through uh, – Albert Park, the Oz Grand Prix circuit, you can actually, quite literally, if you wanted to, walk into the pits yep. of the V8s. Yeah, There's usually volleyball and stuff happening re- year round. They transform that space into like sporting and yeah. badminton and whatever. And then come time for the Grand Prix, they flip it over and it becomes this hospitality suites. And but it's not pits. even, it's not cordoned off though. No. Like I remember it's you public. and I walked yeah. through to, to Rick Kelly's garage and you just walk yeah. in, you're like, hey guys, they're all yeah. hanging out. <laughs> God, I feel like I should I be, should I here? be here. Yeah, everything is fine, <laughs> and it's interesting because like some fans are at the Oz Grand Prix to be there to support their V8 team and yep. you know, the merch on and everything else. Maybe that's one of you. That's really great if you are, but obviously it's not the main focus of yeah. whilst you're there. So, what can you remember the first point where you started to become interested in Formula One? It was at university. Uh, it would be 2009. So I don't remember what era of cars because you and Camp you know that better than me. But I was at university on Chapel Street uh, at Swinburne uh, back when it was there and I could hear them from Albert Park kilometres away. You and Frey have that same story. <laughs> really? You plus probably everyone else going, yeah. I was at university and heard them. Anyone within, I don't know, 10 kilometres in that <laughs> era 
kind of before we went to these hybrids, you could hear them across Melbourne. It was ridiculously loud and it was intriguing. What is going on over there? And mm. then I remember just being able to get there for a practice, I think it was, because uh, it was cheaper and you just wanted to go see what it was. Uh, and then it wasn't until kind of after the first one I went to was with you, but mm. I'd watch it every time there was a Melbourne GP, I would always watch that one because it was on at a good time, which is something as a casual fan, it made sense to just, oh, yes. I'll just watch the Australian one, yes. especially with someone like uh, a Weber or a Daniel to root for. So it was very much just casually just watching the AusGP uh, yearly and then kind of keeping tabs on social media or through Top Gear or kind of just by osmosis, you'd figure out what was happening and what was going on and you'd watch highlights and things like that. But mm. I wasn't really watching, watching until probably – what was it 2018 maybe I mm. first really kind of like watched a season what what was the tipping point for you to be able to do that um I don't know honestly you just kind of like watched one and then you got invested it's like mm. it's no you know when you watch like a crappy this is a bad example but when you watch a crappy <laughs> like but uh, I'll say re- it anyway <laughs> reality TV show oh yes like the real housewives of Exactly. Or like whichever country when I was living at home and I'd walk past and there was Bachelor on and you'd like catch a second of it and you're like, I'm kind of invested now. I want to know what happens next. It was like I just needed enough to grab you to go, I really need to know what happens next time. Or mm. there was enough. And I think it was just Mercedes was really interesting and, and Daniel was driving really well. Um, and I wanted to kind of see what was going on and learn more. And Daniel was a really – magnetic personality that was interesting and engaging. So I think he's probably dragged a lot of Australians into that sport. Mark Webber was excellent, but I think Daniel is one of a kind uh, in the way he engages his fan base and Australians in general. So accessible and he's kind of the best of the Australian characteristics, I would argue. That's what we would want to be represented as outwardly. Mm. Um, Not that Mark isn't, but just like – the funny banter, like that is that is what we want to please represent us to the rest of the world, Daniel, because uh, that is you're doing us a great favour there. Um, yeah, he was really accessible and exciting to watch and you wanted him to do well. And that was it, Red Bull, uh, kind of just as Max was coming through, if I'm not mistaken, and it was a very exciting time um, for Red Bull kind of after the Sebastian dominance. Mm. Red Bull was still right up there, but it just wasn't kind of going to their their favour. This is a very quick uh, shout-out to ourselves. <laughs> to um, ourselves. We, uh, if, you don't, if you're living in Australia at the moment and you uh, want some gin for Christmas, yeah, we make gin, Tommy T., uh, and myself. This is one of the many side hustles, James. Too many have. side hustles. We're slimming some stuff down so that we only focus. <laughs> Just please focus on this podcast for next year. <laughs> uh, but Drops of Juniper is our brand, and quite seriously, it's bloody delicious. Yes, uh, it is a side hustle, but it is better than many gins we would argue on the market. Every time we sip it, or we <laughs> get someone else to taste it, like that's really good. They expect it just to be kind of like a. I don't know, a generic gin that we've yep. kind of thrown together. It is outstanding gin. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Um, currently, I've updated the pricing. So on our website at the moment, dropsofjuniper.com.au, this, I don't know why I decided to throw this brand ad in, but I've, I'm doing it now because <laughs> I'm committed because it's so delicious, the drink that Do we need to pay made. the podcast? You're going to pay ourselves. 
That's not going to happen. Uh, I'm going to give you all free shipping. So it's 60 bucks for a 500ml bottle of our normal gin and it's 75 bucks for our Navy Strength gin. Um, there's only, at time of recording, there's only about 30 bottles of that Navy Strength left. Um, it is bloody good. I might yep. drink all 30 myself in the next couple of days, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but if you put Lakeside Drive-In as the code, it drops a juniper. I'll put a, something in the description. Um, yep. You can get uh, free shipping and it's 60 bucks. Yep. We'll send it to you maybe before Christmas, depending on when you're listening to this. If you're listening to this in 2024, then unfortunately, Christmas it's happened. all sold out. <laughs> <laughs> listen to podcasts earlier. Unbelievable. Why is this not the first podcast you listen to? One of the reasons why I bring this up, though, apart from the fact this is delicious and thank you for making it for me. You're welcome. Um, it's much better than the water that I had at Campy's. <laughs> he did offer me beer. No, that's not fair. <laughs> that's, I was like, it's further, it's further to Campy drive. Campy is a great host, actually. Every time you're around, he's always very hospitable. One of the things that I wanted to talk about was our relationship, the three of us, because uh, it obviously makes oh, – it is like so. It was Oz F1, now like mm-hmm. so I drive. But – Getting to the point of where you came into the podcast and Drops of Juniper is one of those things that helped in the progression there. So can you recount for our listeners yep. and viewers the sort of the timeline as to what happened with, with you and myself and then with Campy to get us to what was then Oz F1, I think episode three. My recounting, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're probably right. But <laughs> I remember you talking about doing the podcast mm. and I was really excited and, and I wanted you and Campy to do well. I was like, Awesome. I agree. There is not enough Formula One talked about. Mm. It is not accessible. The podcasts out there are useless. Uh, they're all very British and yes. annoying to listen to. And no one ever talks about Daniel. Why is no one ever talking about Daniel and what he's doing? So I thought the proposition that you had and the gap in the market that you proposed was excellent. Um, so I listened straight away and I text you with feedback <laughs> immediately. <laughs> You are our first and only listener, I'm pretty sure, of that episode. <laughs> um, but it was great. Like, honestly, the audio quality was outstanding. Bestie did an incredible job did. and has guided us along the way because mm. that was one thing that all of us kind of valued uh, was excellent quality of audio. Mm. That if you're going to do this, let's make it sound excellent. We can figure out the content side of things later as we content, grow. Content, content. Um, Sky F1 manages to be on air all year without that. But what I was what I was doing is that I was listening, but I, I felt invested as friends of yours and Campy's outside of the podcast. Obviously, I was like, "Oh, I really think that you've nailed this." But what if, or mm. this could be better, or you talked a bit too long about this thing, and it kind of dragged. Um, and I was just like texting you. You were like, "How about you shut up and come on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Stop poking holes in what we're doing, jerk, and fix it." I think that's absolutely that's a that's a fair recollection. Yeah, it's we could probably go back and find the text message, but it was something along those lines of like, "Well, how about you just jump on?" And I was like, "I don't know enough about Formula One. You and Camby have been watching longer than me. I've only been watching a season at this stage, and I my knowledge is nothing." Mm. And I said to you, "I was like, I'm I'm a fraud. I don't know enough to to deserve to be on a podcast talking about Formula One." And you're like, "Just make it up. That's what we're doing. We're just, <laughs> we're just having a go. We're just talking about. It. Just be honest." Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of went from there. I jumped on and we found a dynamic fairly quickly, I think. Yeah, we the did. three of us kind of already knew each other. Probably not all three of us together hung out a lot. No. But like Ever. I knew Campy mm. separately. I knew you separately and you and Campy knew each other. So it was, we all knew each other enough. But yeah. I think once we all got together and the shared interest of, of Formula One, motorsport and kind of like 
music and we have a lot of intersecting we do uh, things that we, we could all legitimately enjoy. put a band together yeah. with Zeke in that room. We've got yeah. guitar, bass, Zeke drums is better than all the instruments than us, though. Shout out to Ezekiel Fan. He's not going to listen to this because he's not editing this podcast. But <laughs> uh, after we're not or bestie, him. yeah, correct for both of those things. But I went to a gig of theirs uh, that they supported. They were part of the band of one of the gig uh, of uh, Royal Drew, who's a really kick-ass artist, Australian artist. And it was so I, I was so overwhelmed with joy, as you probably all saw on my Instagram, because I was like, <laughs> I'm so excited to be here and I'm supporting my friends. And they had the similar thing back with us. When we started doing this, the, both Zeke and Bestie were so heavily invested in that. Um, but I think the audio quality thing is a big deal when it comes to musicianship. Yeah. We know what we like. Yep. We know what we don't like. And what we don't like is like the content can be absolute nonsense, which yeah. more often than not it is. But so long as the quality of the audio is there. Yep. Again, I've asked heaps of you listeners and you agree that, and you can go back. Like I legitimately have opened up all of our past episodes. I don't know about that, but yeah. You can go, I think Tommy T is the third episode we ever yeah, did, but you can so. go back and listen to the first episode where I am very quiet and I talk like this and very I'm proper. very proper and I'm not really sure why I'm like that. Um, and fast forward to bloody four years later and I'm and like, shout to you. out! <laughs> When you can hear James in my mic, you know he's talking too loud. Uh, which is all the time. I can see, I watch the levels all the time of everything. And I just, I don't know, I, I have a band. There's a band of my voice that just travels everywhere. It's because you're just a performer and you project. You're I can't good. help myself. Yeah. So that's a timeline. We were doing some, we were thinking about doing gin, I think, before that point. Yep. Um, and we were also doing some coffee stuff as well. So I yep. want to actually get into a little bit of the coffee stuff because uh-huh. your journey in coffee roast, I mean, you make some of the best coffee I've ever had. Uh, so kind. And I shut up, St. Ali. It's not the best here. <laughs> Valtteri Bottas and everyone else, they keep going there. You, you messaged need to go me is, that straight away, weren't you? And then you and then posted, I posted it. And, I posted and the message I then sent you. <laughs> I was like, why do these people keep going to this cafe? The beans, the beans are fine. They're better than a lot of other. They're better yeah. than the former uh, sponsor of Williams. Yes. Anything is. Yes. Um, dirty groundwater is. But talk to us about your coffee journey because you obviously went to university. Yep. You don't study coffee roasting university. No. So what is the no. path of separation? Uh, so I was studying graphic design and business uh, and I needed some work because like many university students, I didn't have uh, a lot of income and I needed to fund my lifestyle. So uh, one of my friends, Caleb, was working at a coffee roastery and said that he was going away to do a coffee buying trip in India uh, and needed some cover for two weeks and could I be a casual help, lift, pack, move things, just general kind of labour stuff. Uh, I did a week and Damien, who I worked with, was excellent uh, and really kind of showed me the ropes. And then by my second week, he was like, do you want to have a go at roasting? Which just is unheard of. Uh, <laughs> and people out there who are baristas and know about coffee know that getting into roasting is one of the hardest things to do. You kind of have to pay your dues and you have to toil through the coffee industry and the coffee making side of things to get a shot at the other end. And I kind of just lucked into the backwards way of doing it. I did not know how to make coffee before I was roasting coffee, to put it that way. I did it completely backwards. Wow. So it was just kind of a casual job that I had while at university and then a position opened up uh, full-time and I was like, I can do both. So at the time I was doing – I was doing full-time university in a double degree of graphic design and business. I was doing full-time coffee roastering. I was doing uh, casual work at McDonald's still, and I was a, a youth leader at the time at, oh at church. Goodness, it was it was chaotic, and I was falling asleep in all of those places all the time because <laughs> I was just stretched. 
But I'd argue it's sometimes good to stretch yourself and see how far you can go mm. to know your limits and know what your capacity is. But kind of fast forward, I progressed through uni. I actually did half of both my degrees. So I count that as a degree. Full degree, fine. That counts, right? Um, but I got to the point where there was more opportunity, I thought, to continue in coffee uh, because it was a unique industry uh, and I could do those things. I felt that continuing to do design would be beneficial to learn, but I didn't need a piece of paper to do business. Same with design. I could continue and learn lots of things. And that's kind of one thing I I found doing the design degree. There wasn't a lot of teaching of design. It was mm. confirmation of your abilities. It was less like I think TAFE is very more instructional and in how to design and how to work through these things. It was more the degree side of it was very here's a brief, do it, prove that you can design. And I didn't really enjoy that. And again, if I wanted to do design outside of that, what's a piece of paper going to do for me that experience wouldn't trump in in the end? So I chose to leave uni and go full-time into coffee roasting um, at Five Senses Coffee, who are excellent and I still remain really good friends with a lot of the people there. Uh, and they're still really collaborative with what we do at Common Folk. Um, and yeah, eventually made my way to Common Folk, which is uh, a smaller roaster in the Morning Peninsula, um, with good friend Sam. Uh, and yeah, we've kind of grown that business, and I've progressed from kind of jumping in. I kind of went sideways from roasting into sales because that was the need that happened when I jumped across and back into roasting and progressed through roasting. And now I'm the GM of the wholesale side of the business. It's great. Yeah, so it, it kind of just happened. I didn't like coffee. I didn't drink coffee. At university, I was getting a cappuccino with multiple sugars and <laughs> that was kind of what I thought. I didn't drink coffee before yeah. university. It was yeah. just kind of like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do at uni. I'll grab a coffee and then slowly you're introduced through work. This is what coffee can be. I was like, it blew my mind how different coffee could be, mm. um, how unique it doesn't just taste like chocolate nuts, caramel, tiramisu kind of generic coffee flavors. Uh, it was really unique and interesting and fruit driven and uh, floral and all these kind of different acidities and things. It was wild to me. And once that was opened, like anything, it's probably like chefs and people who are into viticulture like yourself and, and wine, how unique something that we think is just wine, red wine, white wine, coffee, and these blanket terms that we have, but it's so unique and different. And that's what interested me was how wild it could be. So here I am. I think it's coming into my, I'm about to hit 12 years of coffee roasting, uh, which is wild to me uh, that I've been in an industry for that long. Um, yeah. And You're I've learned a it. lot. You're very, very good at it. Thank and you. And I, I know the people who know you as well are very proud of the fact that you're, you've recently become GM at Common Folk. That's great. Uh, I know some of our listeners actually have switched to buying Common Folk coffee because they know that you roast that. it. Uh, you've got a team as well. You're not yes. roasting everything. No, I'm not doing everything anymore. Do that, but uh, it's great. So, yeah, if you want to drink some of Tommy T's coffee, go to commonfolk.com.au, uh, I think is the website, and buy some, I mean, the seasonal blends filter. I'm a massive Batchbury guy, and every time I pop down, you're yep. like, one of the things I love is you're proud to show me what you've got. Yeah. Um, and I think compared to if you're thinking about, well, why do I buy coffee from like a boutique roaster yep. or a smaller roaster? It's because you've got connection with the actual farmers, right? Yeah, and that's something that we've really pushed. Uh, a lot of the times you can just go to an importer. They'll have a, a suite of things that they've bought to Australia and sitting in a warehouse that you can purchase. Spot is how we refer to it. But something that we've really tried to do 
is connect with a producer level. So going to country, uh, working with the producer on their needs, requirements, prices that actually cover their cost of production. So they have a, a good uh, cost of living balance. That's a big thing. So a lot of coffee is determined by the C price, which is a very arbitrary number that Starbucks use or those kind of global people use as a, a reference when they're buying coffee. We like to throw that in the bin and really work with a producer and go, what is it costing you to make? What is it costing you to pay pickers and, and other staff members? We need to cover those costs and we need to work on a margin to make sure that you're building a sustainable business yourself. Um, we've done a lot of work in Uganda and Colombia and we've got a really strong partner in Brazil as well that we're really proud of. But we've been bringing in some of the best Ugandan coffee uh ever, I would argue, really pushing processing. So natural processing and anaerobic fermentation, which is wine terms that you'll love because you love a natural wine and that is your favorite kind of thing. <coughs> Incorrect. <laughs> um, but really driving forward, uh, Uganda suffered some genocide and terrible things and it really set back the coffee industry. So uh, it's exciting to work with the community there and show what things can be. And we've seen massive change in that community and the opportunities now um, for the people that we've been working with. And then in Colombia, we've partnered with uh, the world barista champion, which is like the F1 world champion. It is the best, best of the best baristas. Um, Diego, who is an excellent barista and friend uh, of common folk. And we've been buying his coffee for, I think three or four harvests now. Um, and we were buying that before he won the World Barista Championship. So it was really good to be supporting someone excellent and then confirmation of his excellence to come through. But some really exciting coffees coming from their um, experimental processes, which is really unique and interesting coffee from Colombia that we're, we've, we've just landed and we're about to release. It's exciting to see that side. A lot of coffee companies remove themselves from that side of things and we like to celebrate and a big thing we talk about is uh, partnership. And instead of like, we're just buying a product from you, it's no, we want to make sure that your business is thriving so our business can thrive and we're buying from you in 10 years' time. If your business fails, we feel like that's a failure on us and not working with you on collaboration. And we want longevity, not just, hey, we're here to buy one thing one year and then we'll disappear and you'll never see us again. That's the worst kind of business we can think of. We want to really work on growing together. It's genuinely an amazing thing. Uh, and as I've said, you can buy some coffee. Do you ship internationally? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wherever you're listening. A little bit more expensive, but well, I mean, buy more and buy more. it'll cover that cost. There might be a thing. I don't know. We might yeah, put a discount I'll, I'll, in. We'll, I'll, I'll talk to the, the powers of bear. I mean, which he is might me, make you know, his I guess own if I'm the GM, I'll just do what I do. <laughs> Who's in charge of me now? If there's a Sorry, link Sam. in the description below, then <laughs> there's something special for our internet. Maybe just for our international yeah. um, listeners. But I think we can is, make something happen. It is an amazing thing what you do. Uh, we are very proud. I'm very proud of you, the team that you've built as well in that, in that space. Um, but we're not here to talk about coffee. We are actually. We're here to talk about you bit. and that's part of you. That's uh, enough. Uh, but I think one of the things as well that I'm very grateful for our friendship is that like the Roasters at Five did for you to sort of open you, your eyes to what is good. Like I sort of would prefer certain coffees, but I didn't really understand why. Mm-hmm. 
the education piece I think is really important. Yeah. Um, and what you've done in that space with us is great. Even Campy drinks common folk coffee. Like he, he will say to me, he's like, yeah. oh, I don't want to drink of that other shit. I want only one time. I mean, he's I still, think, still a milkshake. And like. I apologize <laughs> to all my friends and people who've now experienced what coffee can be because they can't go back and they always regret that and find that frustrating that I used to be able to just go anywhere and get any old coffee and get any old milk and add sugars and whatever. But now I know what coffee can be. I can't yep. go back. Yep. And I've ruined it and I apologize. And you're probably someone with wine. You 100%. do that to everyone. You expose people to excellent wines and then they get frustrated. They have to spend money. We'll go and- out and I'll be like, oh, I know the wholesale price of this, 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 and this. <laughs> that's and overrated. That's, it's like, what, that's like a 70% markup. That's too much. Uh, that does happen. Yeah. But I think I, it's it's great. It's cool to, to know people in that sort of space. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Formula One now. So mm-hmm. you joined the Oz F1 podcast show, whatever we call yep. it at that point. How did that change things for you? Because committing to watching a Formula One race, the best times as a fan is difficult. Yeah. To do it, to be paid to do it, certainly a different conversation. Yep. To not be paid to do it for a podcast, <laughs> mind-blowing considering the other. Because you said you were busy back in uni. You haven't stopped Mate, being busy nah. since. It feels normal. I kind of built this capacity and just kept it and decided <laughs> if you don't use it, you'll lose it kind of <laughs> ethos. Um, that's what it felt like, honestly. Uh, but like I said, I, ha- I felt fraudulent being on the podcast. So I was doing everything I could to watch everything to listen to podcasts, to read what I could early on. Uh, And I got exposed to a lot of different podcasts and opinions and some I disagreed with, a lot of I disagreed with, especially the very UK heavy bias that was around. But who? Come on. Name name names. Name them. Uh, To be honest, it was more just like the the F1 branded. uh, I think Tom Clarkson does a lot of excellent things, but there was very like sugar-coated, very – uh, very Formula One bias, like what is the good narrative for Formula One? And that's what I was like, can we just talk about it? Instead of what's good for Sky and what's good for Formula One, let's talk about what's really happening. Uh, and I felt like we could be a voice in that space. And something that I think really worked well for us is talking about everyone uh, in every race and not just talking about the British drivers or the person who won or the person who came second. I, I don't think I like, I listen to the check and flag podcast. That's one I find really succinct and kind of is a nice like way to wrap up every race and every preview. Um, but one thing they don't do is talk about everybody. Um, and sometimes you're like, Oh, there was this really amazing thing that happened, but you have not talked about Mick Schumacher or you have not talked about Esteban Ocon and something that's happened, you've kind of glossed over. But if if George Russell came 11th and nearly had a point, we're going to focus on it. And I found that really frustrating, um, especially when Daniel would do incredible things and it would never get mentioned and or he would be dismissed. Uh, and I found that quite often very frustrating is, oh, Daniel didn't do very well and then they just gloss over. It's like, no, the circumstances, you haven't paid enough attention to what the race was happening in the context and what the team did and all these kind of things and – at face value, you've just dismissed what happened because he's came, he's come twelfth or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, like, there was a, a bunch of situations, and if you had been paying attention to the whole race and everyone, the context would kind of speak to that. And that's kind of what I think we did really well was, I don't know, just speak very plainly about the entire race without those narratives or kind of agendas on who should be focused on. Do you think? 
Well, what did you expect? When when we started, what was your expectations of what would happen with the podcast? I don't know. I, I Honestly, I enjoyed talking with you and Campy. It was kind of nice. I was like, ah, oh. I didn't expect it to be much, honestly. I thought this is fun. If we do this for a year, two years, and we have fun doing it, that was fine. And then we throw it in the bin like, who cares? Who cares? Like, do you know what I mean? It was going to be, yeah. we had we had two years of fun hanging out, talking about F1, and it was like a nice thing that we had together that we could talk about. Um, and then people started listening and responding and enjoying it. So we felt kind of a responsibility and, I don't know, uh, yeah, a responsibility is a good word to like mm. respect the listener's time and, try and engage with them and give them what they were asking for, which was continued uh, a f- focus on Australians and not just Australians, but everyone equally, not just the British. And it, it's it been a very common theme, hasn't it? Something I that's it's popped up constantly. Everyone and lots of our British listeners will agree to listen to us because we're not British biased. Yeah. And which I think is a missed thing for the British podcast is that they misunderstand their audience, their yeah. own audience. Yeah. It's almost like they can't do wrong. So even if something happens, someone makes a mistake, it's still glossed over and a very positive spin is put on why Lando Norris is out of the points. It's someone else's fault and this and this. Sometimes you just don't have a good race or you make a mistake. But that didn't feel like something that we were hearing. So we entered 2020. Uh, of course, that thing that happened happened oh. and we went remote. And that was okay. I think you and I handled it a lot better than Campy. Yeah, I think... He struggled, and this is something that you were excellent at from the start. You've had some some training, and you've worked in in more performing arts spaces, so you had an understanding of how things should flow. I feel like I had a good intuition on things, on how to like sit back, not talk over people. That was something Camby had to really learn, and he's got so much better. He's excellent oh, yes. at it now. He's yeah, way yeah. better, but for a bit there, it was hard on Zoom because of the slight delay or whatever it was. Um, and we had to work through that. But I think we got to a space where it was it was good. And to be honest, it was convenient uh, where you could kind of continue your day. I know at this time I've got to log in. We can do the podcast and then we can log out and get on with what we do. Mm. But I do I did miss the kind of the the magic, for lack of a better word, that no, would happen right. with three three yep. in the room. Yeah. Um yeah, the Zoom podcast was interesting and I think we did a lot of good stuff and we learned how to be more professional and give each other space to talk and not talk over each other or campy early days would always go for a joke to, even when it was talking over someone and just messed the podcast flow. And, oh, and no, like he that. would love – you would say a joke before we started recording and he would just copy that joke and say it's it again. a joke stealer. <laughs> yeah, or something I would say that I wouldn't say on air Yes. But like it's like, okay, this is a joke for three mates that we know is funny, Campy, oh. but it's probably not appropriate and it's probably not something that we should share uh, in a public forum where people can keep receipts <laughs> and bring this up at another time. Yes. That is, it's like a, a very kind of specific – man, he would say it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we love, we love Honestly, anyway, can you speak quickly to the amount of editing you've had to do to save that man and his career and his partner's career and – the things that he could be in trouble for. Yes. 
But also, do you have all of that hidden yes. away in a folder? <laughs> yeah. Just in case there's blackmail. If someone ever uh. breaks into my Dropbox, <laughs> they will uh, they will find all of those recordings. Uh, I'm not sure it matters necessarily as much <laughs> at this point in time. Yeah. It might in another four years. But yeah. uh, yes, look, there's certain things. Look, and I left it. It's like Dan, the, talking about Danica smiling. Dude. I left that in. Yeah. Normally, I would take that out. This is the hot tip. This yeah. is my hot tip. This is not normally the roadcast of the user. Otherwise, I would press the button that that <laughs> corresponds with. Um, I don't know what sound effect that would come up with, actually. I can't hear it because I don't have any headphones on. That was a good press. Uh, <laughs> good. And it's still playing. But I are oh, good. Oh. But it, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting time because you don't know where this can go. And I think one of the things that you and I were always thinking about was like future-proofing it to a point of like, well, what happens if this blows up? And it almost did. In 2020, we almost had an opportunity that would have yeah. taken us out. Yep. Yeah, we we were talking with someone that could have grown this really quickly, but mm. it didn't it didn't come through. But it put us in the mindset of like, what if? Hey, let's treat this not as a business, not as a job, but let's treat it with the professionalism that it deserves, so that if someone does listen, they will get the best representation of what we are at all times. And that was kind of what we wanted to do. I don't think we wanted to kind of make it stale or, or mm. new to the podcast anyway. We know that the the banter's what was our, our point of differentiation and that we talked about everyone. So we wanted to keep that alive, but we wanted to also refine and constantly get better. And I think that's what we've done. I think we've got the podcast to a, a spot. I think we've all got much better. You were already excellent at presenting and oh, thank podcasting. Yeah. Um, but Campy and I have definitely got much better in that respect. It's not it's not as evident uh, when we were left to our own devices and it was <laughs> much Jeez. of it much of a train wreck. Uh, but we did our best and did our best James impression. You certainly did something. <laughs> but on, so it was very evident and I think Campy uh, and I both got an appreciation for what we needed a James. I think we all need each other. I think, I mean, yeah. I could do a podcast that would be very straight down the line, professional, you know, F1 branded, would sound like what they would want it to sound like. Yeah. But I know I would happily do that next year if you're listening, but, which you're not, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I enjoy doing this more. Yeah. And I think one of the things is, Doing being able to do our own independent thing means that we get to call out everything that everyone is doing at all times. Yep. Um, and there is a lot of magic in that. And I, what you were talking about earlier about listening to Checkered Flag uh, and even a lot of the other independent mm-hmm. British uh, F1 podcasts that exist for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why because they're just rehashing the same content that the official ones have spoken about. Yep. And that frustrates me because... There is so many people to talk about on the grid, off the grid, yeah. team principles, all that kind of other stuff yeah. happening and changing all the time. And and people just want to talk about Verstappen and Hamilton. Yeah. That's all it sounded like since we started the podcast in 2019. Honestly, the, the amount of podcasts when we talk about, we start from the back of the grid. Half the time we get to the race, we're like, yeah, you know what happened. You saw the race, you won. I don't want Move to talk on. about Hamilton. And we just like end the podcast and go to the fantasy that's, section. That's right. <laughs> it happens so often. We're like, yeah, and Max won, goodbye. No one cares. <laughs> I'm over him winning, much like you are. (laughs) Did he win? Yes, probably. Of course he did. We can just, in fact, we can probably just skip the last two teams because the moment it's been Mercedes, Ferrari, or three teams, and and Red Bull. Yeah. Although Ferrari is fun to talk about. It's like, how do they stuff up this weekend? That's the whole section. But no, I think I think you're right. So fast forward to 
side note, you, you did some graphic design at university, but you mm-hmm. still do graphic design. So all of the graphics that you see for Lakeside Drive, everything, not all the like the day-to-day stuff, I will do that, but with a template that you've created for good. me. You're not yeah. really. <laughs> I use assets created by you to make it look okay. Yes. Um, my graphic design element is paint. Paint plus, I will call myself in that respect. <laughs> but you do a great job at um, making us look better. And if you search through, I mean, if you're looking now on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can see that it really does um, pop out. Although I actually did the new one. You did it. You photos. did a very good job. Ridiculous. Um, the middle photo of me is actually a headshot you took of me. Yes. 2019. Yep. So it's quite old now. Yep. Trying to grow my hair back out to look like it did back yeah, then. Yeah, it is long. It's getting there. Yeah. Uh, it means that I can properly vibe at concerts rather than having my short army haircut, which I'm used to. <laughs> so fast forward to Lakeside Drive. We did a rebrand. Yep. Didn't tell Campy. You and I really enjoyed that. Yes. Well, so Campy was very set in his ways, wasn't he? He had decided that. Not sure that's changed. No, that hasn't. And he's he's like a battleship. He's very slow to move maneuver. Um, <laughs> is that not the most apt description of Campy? <laughs> that is phenomenal. Uh, but we had had some advice uh, yes. given to us that anything with F one, be aware they might come for you one day, and better to change it sooner than later. Make the graceful change and and go with it. So we kind of were racking our brains. We threw out a threw around a bunch of different ideas, didn't we? We did. And yeah. then I kind of I liked the idea of Lakeside Drive because it was more than just F one, and that's something that we talked about early on. That we had ambitions like um, we talked about a bunch of different content ideas and where we could take the podcast and. Um, yeah, we decided that something a bit more broad was going to be helpful and then we could specialise. So we did the GP podcast. I just wasn't a part of that. The The MotoGP is useless, so I didn't care, but you did that for Lucky Luckily we stopped it because Manus has disappeared off the face of the Who? earth. <laughs> Never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Manus. Uh, love Manus. Excellent so, human so being. Great, yeah. Excellent he's human very, being, he's but he's a very busy guy Yeah, uh, and does not have time. But- Lakeside Drive allowed yes. us to do yep. that kind of thing as opposed to Oz F1, which was like, ah, it's kind of in the title. We have to just talk about F1. Mm. Um, so I thought let's future-proof it and work with something more broad and also gave it that Australian kind of vibe and grounding without, I don't know, going without too far. Yeah. yeah, exactly, without yeah. being like too ochre in your face and putting a kangaroo and yeah. stuff on it with like, I don't know. It just, it just felt a bit more mature and grown up. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the bloody Instagram because it's a hardcore band yes, or something. Some metal band in the US. Like three follow, followers. We're good on them. Yeah. If you ever want to sell it, $10 is our final offer. Bottle of gin Bottle and of a gin, bag of coffee. Which, funnily enough, we did buy drops of gin. Oh, we did. Instagram, yes. didn't we? For- couldn't actually send any alcohol overseas, though, so we sent some merch. Yeah, that was it because we couldn't. Sorry. But someone had it and we were like, that hey, was a, any a funny, a funny pun that we came up with early on. And drops of Juniper that. is all this guy. Basically, anything creative, including like Side Drive, the logos for both drops of Juniper and the name. Um, James is an ideas man, and he comes to you with ideas. I go, and then all of a sudden, you're this. in a business, and then <laughs> we've created another company. <laughs> and Anthony, my accountant's like, "Can you stop, please?" You no. Talk, you talk to James about. He's like, "Hey, I've got this great idea," and then the next week, he comes back to you with an ABN, and he's like, "Hey, so this has happened. You're a part of it." Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> to like sign this document that you don't know what you're signing for. Uh, that, that is true. 
So Lakeside, and I love it. Like the the name, it works. I think it's. Yeah, I'm not really too, happy with it. It's settled really well. I think. And I love driving past Lakeside yes. Drive. To be honest, I will take a 15 minute detour to yep. drive on Lakeside Drive just yep. to go. Hmm. This yes, is great. This is us. Uh, in fact, I stopped ours. the other day when I came back from Campy recording Campy's podcast. I stopped to record. Yeah, it was too windy. And it the wind sounds yeah. sucks. It is but, windy there uh, all the time, but it was just nice to kind of be there because it's such a beautiful spot. Yeah, as well. So. It is, and that's like where honestly where we were watching Formula One together, and we talk about yeah. it all the time. But yep. that watching VB that day was On nine and ten. One of those memories that we're both going to share for forever. Ever. Yep, and it was one of the better experiences we've had in Formula One. I would say. Oh, one hundred to watch Valtteri so much better than anyone else that day. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. We cannot put into words how on it he looked. Yeah, compared to every other car. He just he was pushing the limit of that car coming through that turn every yep. single time. Everyone else is kind of like, oh, you know, it's kind of whatever. Yep. But he was like squirrely in that Merc. Oh. And that was mind blowing. Yeah. It was also good to completely ignore the fact that Danny Rick had ripped his front wing off and 20 metres from his starting spot. <laughs> I remember we were watching it. I think we had like a phone on Fox or whatever at the time kind of No, we were watching see. a big screen. Do you that's remember? Right. Like it was a massive screen because that's where there used to be the chicane. Well, not chicane, yeah. but a turn there properly rather yes. than a follow through. And the yes. whole crowd were like, ah, ah, oh. fuck. It was instant. Everyone. Oh. Everyone was like that. It was like, oh, okay, good. Oh, brutal. Uh, let's fast forward to Lakeside Drive this year. Yep. Um, we hit 10,000 downloads in August 2020, which was... Phenomenal. Huge. The fact Never that people thought. had ever listened to that. Yes. And then we hit 100,000 downloads in August 2021. And now we're at about 170,000 downloads, uh, which is which is a f- an interesting growth. I mean, it's dropped off a little bit. And I think some of the reason is, is the Daniel Ricciardo factor. But yeah. I want to talk about the Australian Grand Prix this year because uh, obviously 2019 is the last time it happened. Yep. Um, we were prepped for 20. I was driving down when it got cancelled. So that was <laughs> no, great. I was messaging you. I was like, like oh, I've just heard word. I think it's cancelled. So My new turnaround. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Campy was overseas. In, he was in right. Texas for that 2019 one when you and I went before you were even part of the podcast. Yeah. So it was just kind of bizarre. But so it's the first one we all managed to get to. Yep. He t- it's bloody hot. He turns up in jeans, RMs, and a beanie. <laughs> And a long sleeve shirt. I think I filmed it. I'll send you that clip uh, of him walking up to it us. It is phenomenal content. It is on the Lakeside Drive Instagram it is, page. Yeah. I think I put it up. <laughs> um, but the what I want to know your feelings about afterwards when we caught up with some of our fabulous listeners for a yeah. drink. How did it feel? Because it, it, well, yeah, how did it feel? It was very surreal. Why was it surreal? Do you not feel deserved? I feel like we are just normal people talking on a podcast. And the fact that people knew that I was a coffee roaster, for instance, and had listened and listened to my words multiple times. And I mean, like, it's not hard to understand because I do that with podcasts. I have podcasts I listen to and I feel like I know. And if I met them, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know this detail about your life and what you do and what you talk about. But for it to be flipped on me Mm. was Confronting in the best way uh, and very humbling, I think, for the listeners who choose our podcast over the the sea of Formula One podcasts, let alone all of the other podcasts that they could spend their commute and time that they are podcast listening to podcasts, that they choose to listen to ours and engage uh, is wild to me that they have found it and resonate with it as much as they do. Uh, it was excellent to meet. Uh, as many people as we did and yeah it was really exciting to see that the community was so engaged and 
loved what we were doing and uh, kind of gave us that encouragement to continue that we were on a good thing. Do you think, or did you ever kind of imagine that we'd get to a point when you first joined episode three that we would have so many people on our Discord server, so many people in, like doing the fantasy That's team wild competition to me. and then turn up? Like I even, I think I mentioned it to you the other day, the fact like, and I should be better at Discord, but I'm just useless with communication. That's right, I've got it. I'm always on the Thank computer. You. Thank else. you, That's James, fine. as the advocate. And I'll the, carry it. <laughs> Again, but even because I still have the notifications on, and I see it pop up, and I see the engagement, I just don't interact, unfortunately, because I forgot my password. But I see all the <laughs> notifications, and I read a lot of it, and it's great to see. But what surprises me is that people have chosen this is the location and the arena that they want to talk about Formula One. People who have other spaces. Uh, themselves like we've got people who have Formula on podcasts that still choose to engage with our community which is wild that this is the chosen place for people to congregate and friendships and groups and community has formed around something that we did and we record and it is now this hub of like-minded kind of free-thinking Australian bias Mm. everyone's equal kind of Formula One which is awesome and i i'm like shocked that that exists in the best way i just yeah i think it's incredible that we've created a community that now is cognizant and self-sufficient and is going to take over us probably and (laughs) so when the robots take over it is it is it's got enough momentum that it doesn't even need us it engages there's people who are talking we could just tap out and it would still exist and be a really positive community and that's something i'm really proud of as well is the the positive stuff that our discord community has and it's a safe space for everyone and i think we we talk about it uh offline a lot is the demographic as well Mm. formula one is very male dominant but our discord and our community seems to have a lot of female engagement and is is great and that's really commendable to the discord community and the community we created it's not it's not due to us i don't think i think it's due to the community themselves actually being welcoming and Mm. engaging in a a positive way as well and a welcoming way i'd like to think that we have created the vibe enough for people to follow on to that so i think if you watch or you listen you're engaging with us because you feel like you're part of like side drive community yeah that's awesome because i think what it means is that as you said, it's a safe space for everyone. And that also includes, if you think, if you thought at any point this year, incorrectly, but if you thought it, that Daniel <laughs> Ricciardo was washed, you were still welcome in the community. Totally. And because no one's opinion is correct. Everyone has it. Other people have different facts to you and yep. will know more of the story. And that's fine. But the fact that you you keep turning up and you engage is, is really awesome for us in that respect yep. too. Uh, and I think for, I mean, it's interesting though, going and actually meet. So we did the Australian Grand Prix and Freya and I did Miami. And, and if you've listened uh, to Freya's episode from last week, she chatted with Tara. who Excellent. I yeah. met in Miami. Fantastic. Like, all of those those interactions have been super superb. Um, one thing I will say about you is that all some listeners, and if you're uh, listening and you and I have caught up, you know who I'm talking about because it's you, have said, <laughs> A, Tommy T is the best and, and B, what is his number? Uh, so <laughs> maybe not a bachelor pad so much longer. You will need a visa though to... Uh, <laughs> Come and date the handsomest I man. I need a green card. The That's the only requirement. I oh have. yeah, no, you want to go to the US. So <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, the conversations I've had null and void because they're from the UK. So, 
before we talk about what is ahead for next year, I just quickly want to thank our sponsor for this video and episode is NordVPN. Uh, the second, I think, or third last uh, episode for the year that we're going to do. Um, and we're massively grateful for NordVPN, uh, as yeah. I said last time, and who emailed me, Emilio. Thank you again for helping us out with this because it's been an interesting journey, Tommy T, going from, like, I resisted, or we all did. We all did. Resisted sponsorship for a very long time because we know how annoying it can be within an episode of a podcast. You fe- I felt like you were Zuckerberg saying... Don't don't add ads. Not until we know what it is. <laughs> the social network. I often think don't that monetize I, it. I don't add, monetize it. Yeah. I always compare myself to Mark Zuckerberg. You do often, actually. Mm. It is your. Power. I almost never do that. But I think we were, right now. what we didn't want to do was find something that didn't align and something that we didn't. That's use. right. Yeah, and I've said it time and time again, and again, it's the second app in my phone next to Messages is NordVPN. Uh, so when I am doing some traveling around the world and I want to watch content or I want to have access to KO when I'm overseas because I can't, I don't have a TV license in the UK or I don't have Sky, yep. and I don't know, anyway, it's very confusing. Yep. It's easier to stay in the Australian vibe then I use the VPN. Uh, and it does so many amazing things. One thing that I have noticed, and again, with another data breach, um, is that it will monitor the dark web and say, hey, this this specific information has been leaked about you. We suggest you yep. change passwords here, 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 and here, which I think is phenomenal. And NordVPN doesn't just have that. It's got a full suite of things like Password Manager and a whole range of other things yep. on top of that with apps, which actually make a difference. So threat protection, you can unlock content, regional content from around the world, and it just... Protected. Mm. You're protected for wherever you go. So a massive thank you to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash lakeside drive. You'll get two years at a heavily discounted rate, and it is heavily discounted, and you get four months free with that. It's 30-day money-back guarantee. It's free. You know, if you listen to the podcast long enough, you know what we're saying. Yeah. And we're saying that it's good for a reason. It's good. We will only really want to sponsor or have brands that align with us for this. Yep. Um, in saying that, uh, and massive thank you to them. That is the end of that ad placement. But in saying, in saying about, uh, I was going to say, the inserted dynamic ads, next year it's likely you're going to hear them. And there is a reason for that. Uh, hopefully we can align with some of the brands that still are relevant. Um, and, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know that certain podcasts will have a 30 or a 60-second ad break, so we'll tap the 30-second forward what? button four or two times. We'll make that very specific maybe, so you can do the same, but it'll also even help a, us out. And Ezekiel or Bestie's Sting, so you know when it's fading. Yeah, in there's and no out. music underneath it. Yeah. We're talking naturally again. Yeah. Naturally. And I naturally. Don't know, artificially again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it is the growth. So, and this one of the things I'll talk about this year and, and next year is that we, we don't necessarily have to say what's exactly going on yet, but some things have happened. And I think. Going through this year, which has been very long and tiring, I know, for us, and we've kind of made some changes. I've moved back from Canberra, then I went overseas for a while and we're doing some yeah, things. Yeah, when are you moving next? I'm not. Um, you say no, that. No, Mel- like genuinely. You say that, Melbourne though. is such a kick-ass city. It just, it just is. I've spent a lot of I have seven trips to the UK this year, and I love London, but the coffee situation here is better and cheaper. <laughs> Batch brew is not <laughs> six quid. It's $4, <laughs> which is much cheaper. Uh, but in terms of like the progression of the podcast, where do you see us going? What do you think is going to happen and why? What, what do you think makes us different from other podcasts? Uh, I think, well, firstly, I'd like to acknowledge what Freya's done. I think that's pretty incredible. Um, Freya kind of jumped in as, as a, a listener. as a, From a listener uh, and engage with you and 
you were like, just come on the podcast then. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, this person's coming for all of our jobs. She's coming to coming <laughs> to dominate and take over in yep. the best kind of way. Yep. Um, and Freya's excellent. I wish she was closer and she could come <sighs> into the studio with us. I know us. you're listening. Yeah. Move you home. Heard. I'm sick of this edit that I have to do. It's <laughs> Honestly, disgusting. like the work that James and Ezekiel have done on any of the Freya uh, ones with myself, I apologize heavily. <laughs> it's worth it, can I say. The content's great. It's The delay is just yes. killer. Um, but no, I think Freya's done an excellent job and has really positioned us in that uh, other space of Formula One, which is more educational and kind of looking at other uh, rather than just kind of the very narrative of the weekend, it's looking at the sport as a whole, as a as a job, as a business, as a career path, and uh, I think that's really interesting and something that's been missing. A lot of the times we might find out about a past driver or something, but I don't think there's anyone really looking at these important people uh, and really interesting people in that space. I think Freya's done an excellent job, and I, I'm really excited for her and us in general, kind of looking into that space and really growing that part of Lakeside Drive. Yeah. Well, one of the great things is I know that right now as we're recording this, she's interviewing Laura Winter. Excellent. Which, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the year she was a listener and she's now, you know, a solid yeah. part of the podcast and she's talking to, what well, arguably the lead female digital presenter for Formula One. Yep. Who she has a regular line of contact with. Yeah. That's super cool. I think it's re- it's really exciting, uh, and I hope that's one thing that is in the future. Like uh, back to your question, is is maybe a little bit more access. I don't think we want to just get drivers and go straight to the top and like I just want the most famous and I want the most important person. I think we want to find interesting. Mm-hmm. We want to find different, unique stories, and that's something that we've always found as well. I think we've done. You've done some excellent interviews. Um, and I think that stuff that we've learned from that, and our listeners have learned from that, is really engaging it's not just I feel like sometimes people grab people for clickbaity reasons and I don't think that's ever something that we've wanted to do we've wanted to find engaging and interesting people and that's something we'll continue to do and uh, I think what's exciting for us is we can continue uh, a very interesting and fun podcast style that we've kind of fostered and hopefully we've found as a space that we can do that in a more relaxed and I'm trying to think of the word more. Uh, I'd say true to ourselves. Yeah. Version. Yeah, exactly. We, kind of the pressure's taken off and we can just like settle in. I think this last, the second half of the season uh, has been a tiring, but it's been great to have a space and really thankful for M yes, letting us M have that space. Uh, M and Zeke letting us use that space. It was great to have a space to go to with all the equipment. Uh, Cause we remember back to the days when it was setting up in your office or mm. in random remote places. And it was like, Oh, I don't want to have to set up every time. And I don't have to pack up every time. And I want to make sure the light's right. And the audio is right. And all these kind of things. Whereas like having a space to go to was really exciting. Uh, and it felt professional and like, Got to go to the podcast. Got to go off to a studio, and <laughs> we'd all arrive together. Yeah, I mean, there was no money happening anywhere, and it was just no. money was leaving. Yes, uh, it wasn't coming in though. But oh yes, was- all of the sponsorship funds the podcast. <laughs> yes. It doesn't leave, and and merchandise. It yeah. doesn't actually. But it was exciting to kind of go. Okay, this is a bit more serious. We set a structured time, and yep. that was something that we all found was it was really hard. But I think next year we're going to be able to have some structure and a bit more priority on content and more podcasts, I think. Yep. 
No, certainly more con- more access yeah. and more content. Yep. Though the, I can tell you those two things for sure will, will happen. Um, hopefully we've got some awesome Oz Grand Prix news that we can share with you, which is something we will be mind-blowingly amazing. Blow, pardon me, blow everything out of the water that has sort of previously thought about. But I think that settling into the podcast thing is, is a good thing. And look, I mean, it's we did 2019 and then obviously COVID, but I also left Melbourne in 2020 before yeah. that happened, which was, I mean, fine because I went to Jarvis Bay in New South Wales, South Coast, and it was gorgeous. Selfish, sure. I'll take it. <laughs> um, but gorgeous. But I think it was an interesting time because, again, and I said this in the campus episode, like I reached out to Rusty. Yeah. Just sent him an email. I was like, hey, man, um, I'm really interested in getting, you know, getting your thoughts on how this is a thing. I really love Rusty's Garage as a podcast. You're a great presenter, blah, blah, blah. What do you think? Um, and no kidding, he replied in 17 minutes. He replied. Yeah. Um, and he was living in New Zealand at that point. And he was like, yep, yeah, no worries. I'll listen. And he listened and he listened to a couple of episodes and gave us a full debrief. Yeah. Um, and the reason why, in fact, you can tell before that point the show was one way and after that point it was certainly different because mm. he did that. But I think we've reached our happy spot yep. with what we do. We've tried a lot of different things, haven't we? We have and yep. we'll continue to try. Totally. We, we don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to do the same no. format over and over again. Because no. we, as you said earlier, we want to respect you, the listener, um, which is which is why we still love doing this. Yeah. Because we respect you. This is not about us. It, it does feel bizarre that the community gets together and, you know, we'll go for drinks or they want to catch up with us or they want to ask me your opinion or, or you're an opinion yep. for something or other. But we're no more credible than you guys. Yeah. You watch as well. You listen to different podcasts. Totally. You read yep. racer.com. Hopefully you don't read anything else. Uh, <laughs> just exclusively Chris Medland and Michael Aminato written articles. Nothing else is trustworthy. Yep. But you'll form your own opinion. Just more often than not, I think a lot of the time we all – Fall on a similar page. Yeah. I think it's, you can tell the biases when they come through or, oh, better not piss off Red Bull, better write something in this way or better not better piss off Mercedes, yep. better write something in this way. Yeah. We don't have those allegiances. No. We will tell you what we think. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that we've talked about. We're really excited to continue that. We don't have to, I don't know, kowtow to whoever. We whoever. We can just say what we need to say. Well, there's call out the- broadcasters and... <laughs> TV directors and... I would work on Sky and call out Sky, can I just say. Like, yeah, there doesn't so seem true. to be any want there from any of the producers to want to be better. Yep. If you're a producer listening and you're watching and you want to prove me wrong, hire us. <laughs> I think that's a really good place to end. Yeah. Done. Well, why don't you see us out of this episode? Why don't you you thank what what we can see next year, what you're happy and proud of for this and, and yeah, just be Tommy yeah. T on the end. Be Tommy T on the end. I'm really thankful for all of the community that's it's grown around our podcast and it's very humbling to know that so many people listen to us uh, weekly. It, it's kind of frightening in the best way that so many people care and, and, and want to. It's, it's, it's like a good pressure. Um, but thank you for supporting us and letting us do what we enjoy, which is hanging out as three mates uh, and recording content together um, and getting to a place where we can do that in a more relaxed and free environment which is exciting for next year so hopefully that comes through in the podcasting as well so stick with us we know this season was long next season's going to be longer apparently but hopefully we get to get to some races and that makes only it by a one more race exciting. though because China's oh, awesome. chopped I mean that was inevitable wasn't it but no thank you so much and we're excited for what happens next year see you next time
Put you in three, which is your old channel. Let's see. Just good old times. Sometimes you just have channel. to have good old times. Let's bump you up a thing. I would feel off. awkward being in a different channel, if I'm honest. <laughs> Why is that? Because it's Campy's channel. Oh, dynamic channel microphone. Too. You're right. It is. And that's one that's got all the audio processing <laughs> on. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.